morning, everyone. It's good to be able to worship with you this morning. Um, we've kind of been in this semi-series called The Life of Joseph. It's like a sub-series in the book of Genesis, right? And to kind of sum up um, a lot of context before we get into one point and go home today, um, I would title the last several chapters and really the big chapters of Joseph's life as a process of forgiveness, a process of forgiveness. Um, you know, last week, I think P. John had preached about, you know, the need for us as believers in Jesus Christ to learn how to forgive. It's an essential skill. It demonstrates the glory of God and what he's done for our lives. And the reason why I emphasis, emphasize the word process is because sometimes, and I think a big thrust of the context for the passage we just read, sometimes forgiveness takes a lot of time. Um, it's not as quick as a, I messed up, please forgive me, okay, done, let's go home. A lot of times, and I think we can attest to this, the older we get, the more complicated relationships and friendships and our own marriages become forgiveness it's a process that we have to choose into when we're confronted with it, right? Amen? It's like, yeah, uh, right? I felt it spiritually. Um, and for, for Joseph, he has, he has endured, I will say, that process by, by choosing into it when confronted when his brothers came up. You know, after all these years, he hadn't seen them, and now they're back in his life. It's kind of like the person that you thought that you were done and dealt with, and then all of a sudden they show up again right at your door. And here they are. He's paid the price of forgiveness by seeing in chapter 44 how the brothers that he got were not the brothers that his younger brother experienced, right? If you've ever, one of the nuances of forgiveness is seeing when a person changes for the better, but not for your benefit, but for someone else's, right? He experienced that firsthand by seeing and testing them. Are you the same guys? Are you going to do this to Benjamin, my younger brother? And they proved to his heartbreak that they actually changed legitimately from the inside out. He's paid the price, and last week I think we saw really the purpose of forgiveness, which has been hinted at, which is this biblical word called reconciliation, restored relationship. Um, how to sum that up is Joseph is saying, I am done with these dynamics of guilt and shame and all the baggage that we've brought. I just want to be right with you again, brothers. I just want to see my dad again. I want to be near him before he passes. And I believe that like every time you, I, I, I challenge you every time you read the life of Joseph, to not see so many gospel parallels with the new covenant, right? This whole process of forgiveness, the positions of power, the, the, the humbling themselves, the, the, the guilt that we carry, it, there's a lot of Jesus in Joseph, right? And I believe that one of the things that we learn from this process of forgiveness is that the end goal of forgiveness is not just removal of the icky feeling of guilt. It is cherishing, loving relationship with our Father. And so 
I, I say it like this. I, I'm, I'm literally ripping this off of John Piper's book, God is the Gospel. He would say that of all the beautiful things that we preach from God's word, the justification that we get that Jesus' blood counts us as righteous, the forgiveness of sins that we're going to sing about with those upbeat VBS songs coming up, and, and the redemption that we get that we are freed from and liberated from the slavery and the power of sin and Satan and, and ultimately death, they all point to this one end goal. They are eliminating obstacles so that you and I can no longer be separated from a relationship with the Father. Romans 8 would say, every charge, every accusation, everything that you can accuse me of, every sin that you could rightly put on my name, it has been dealt away with, and it's not just dealt away with so we would feel good and guiltless, it is dealt away with so that we can be restored to the source of life. Amen? That's, that's the heart of the gospel. And I say all that because of all the journey we've traveled on, we've listened to with Joseph, he just wants to be with his dad again. He doesn't want all that baggage. And I think I put this up on the screen. Um, there is his dad at home in his old age thinking he's going to die in the tent that he's been on. And after all these years, enduring this famine, he gets wind that his son, his first beloved son, is actually alive. If you follow the, the journey in the several chapters that go on, the way that they even phrase Joseph's death in his mind is very specific and peculiar and painful. The one I lost. The one who is no longer. In verse 25, they went up out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to their father Jacob. This is the brothers. They tell him, Joseph is still alive. He is ruler over all the land of Egypt. And his heart, Jacob's heart, becomes numb. For he did not believe them. But when they told him all the words of Joseph which he had said to them, and when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. And Israel, that is Jacob, said, It is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. He is a father who has gotten news that his long-lost, or so he thought, son is alive. And his last remaining thing to do is to see him one more time before his time passes. That was the biggest intro ever. That's context. And I have really only one point. I wonder if this will really be that quick of a message. I've titled it Healthy Hesitations because in light of all that, Jacob has a decision to make, right? He has resolved, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to see my son. It's going to be over. And I want you all to look at the verses we read this morning, um, to our, our scripture reading passage, one more time with me. So this is what he does. Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father, Isaac. What is significant about Beersheba? It is literally the southernmost edge of Canaan. It is the, it's like you're going to leave L.A. and then you, you stop at this one spot before you get to another territory, right? 
It is also the place where God had spoken to his father Isaac in a vision and reaffirmed to him what he should do. Here's the question, all right? Why is Joseph stopping? Some commentators think that, you know, he's just, you know, he's there to worship and move on. And, you know, this is what God has done and you go. I ever, when I'm reading this, I wonder if he stops the edge of Canaan, thanks God to see if God will speak to him first. When's the last time you've hesitated on something? Um, Any other hesitators in the crowd today? Yeah? We got some confident people in this room. I know this. Um, You know, it's like they tell you you want to look more powerful, stand straight. Well, I look really weak because it takes a lot of effort sometimes for me. I slouch a lot, right? Hesitation, okay? And I will not make a basketball reference for the sake of my youth kids, okay? Okay, anyway, uh, hesitation is when you are about to jump into something and you catch yourself, right? There are good hesitations and bad hesitations. Good hesitation for my baby. Should I cross the street that dad is yelling at me saying, no? She actually looks back and smiles to see if, you know, she's kind of in that phase. It's fine. It's a good hesitation. Joseph is on the cusp of just getting to Egypt, and he's going, and he stops, and then he stops at this place that historically his forefather heard the voice of the Lord. He worships as a sign of thanks and adoration that this is just like, there's no reason, he doesn't need a reason to worship God. It's just like he just worships him because he's worthy, right? It's telling for what we ought to do as well, right? And, and he pauses, And in this pause, in verse 2, the God of his forefather Isaac speaks to Israel in visions of the night. He says, Jacob, Jacob, personal name. You guys remember what Jacob means? It's okay. I was going to do something else. It's okay. He says, here I am. He said, I am the God, the God of your father, that's Isaac, Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I will make you into a great nation. I was, you know, the Bible teacher trying, that I'm trying to be right, I'm trying to do my research. Why is he afraid to go to Egypt? And commentators give all these great reasons. Uh, It's Egypt, right? It's dangerous. Do you guys remember when um, the the greatest of all the forefathers, Abraham, received the covenant promise, Right? This, this big old plan of restoration to fix the brokenness of the earth, right? He had three parts in that promise. Y'all know what they are, right? I'm going to make you a people. I'm going to give you a place, and I'm going to give you a purpose, right? I'm going to make you this holy nation. You're going to be set apart. I'm going to give you this very specific holy land. And in that holy land, people are going to see you guys, and you will, be, you will bring blessing through being God's people in his place, right? That's how he set it up. And right after that, Abraham finds himself in a predicament where he has to go to Egypt. And he's so, do you guys remember this? This is one of those things that, Abraham's an amazing guy. This is one of those things he tried to kind of skirt over because it makes him look really shady. You guys know what happens? He's like, Sarah, that's his wife, you are extremely beautiful. Sarah's like, aw. He's like, no, it's not like that. What I mean is, they're going to look at you and they're going to kill me. So say you're my sister. And he actually does this twice. It's crazy, right? 
Why? Because he's afraid of what Egypt will do to him. It's, it's actually a really funny story because then Egypt, you know, I don't even know how they're worshiping other gods like Ra. And then Yahweh speaks to them and is just like, hey, uh, don't touch her. And then they're like, what did you do, Abraham? And then Abraham, it, it's a funny story. But he has this conception of Egypt like that. A second time, Isaac, in another famine, is thinking about going to Egypt, and God just stops him and says, do not go there. Do not go there. Another time, God tells Abraham, your people will one day be mistreated, enslaved, and enduring a terribly hard life of 400 years. He tells him that's what's going to happen to the history of his people. So maybe the question is, Joseph, do you really want to speed that process up? you really want to go to Egypt? There's all these questions as to why he's so afraid. I think all of those have a, a truth to them. Egypt does not seem like the place that God would fulfill his promises. Have you ever experienced the presence and power of God in a very, 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 very hostile and unlikely place? That's what's going on here. This is Egypt. But here's my point. If there is only one point, this is the point. I do believe as the people of God, there is a good hesitation to have with our decisions, our choices, our ponderings, our thoughts, our questions. And that hesitation is, God, in whatever I'm deciding, will you be there? Will you be there? Will your promise go through, or am I getting in the way? Um, I was saying this this morning. I don't know about you guys in your prayer lives, okay? I'll admit to you, a lot of times, especially now that I had, okay, I can't say that, blaming my baby, okay? Um, in my prayer life, a lot of times, I'd be praying like this, God, would you bless what fill in the blank? And that fill in the blank is something I've already chosen to do a long time ago. Y'all with me? Like, God, would you bless the job I already chose to do? Would you bless the decision I already did as a youth pastor? Would you bless this retreat that I've already spent all this time, like, you know, doing all this stuff, Right? What if before we step in to whatever that decision is that God, you know, may or may not have for us, we stop right at the cusp, a voice goes on in our head, and we ask, God, will you be there on the other side? And what I mean by, what I mean by that is, God, is this a step of obedience where your presence and your power is evident or am I stepping a step away from where you would assign me to be? Do you guys know that after the golden calf, this is in Exodus chapter 32, God is so mad at his people that he'd yell, <laughs> he yells, he may not be yelling, he says to Moses, I'm not going with you anymore, I'm sending angels to go with you. And Moses by, by, you can call it confidence or, or pride or just, I don't know what it is. He tells him later on in that chapter, God, if you do not go with me, I'm not going. Bold thing to say. 
as the people of God, as those who are saints in Christ Jesus, does something in our hearts desire that type of resolve? Um, I'm going to date myself a little bit. I'm not saying I'm old. I'm just somewhere in there. Um, there's this song by Chris Tomlin. I'm, you know, youth kids will laugh at me because I'm like quoting these songs they've never heard before. Okay. Some of them secular, some of them sacred. Okay. Uh, there's this song by Chris Tomlin. He goes, where you go, I'll go. Anyone know this? We played this song before at church. Where you move, I'll move. Where you, who you serve, I'll serve. I will follow you. It's a beautiful, beautiful song. Especially in like children's ministry settings, kids can like kind of dance to it. It's, it's amazing. As adults with weighty, big responsibilities, as those adulting with the looming things of all we've all heard and stuff, right? Of what's coming. Will our big filter for our decisions and the myriads of decisions and the infinite multiverse possibilities of decisions that we make in our lives, will the filter be, God, will you be there? God, will your purposes be there? Is this the assignment for this season and in this time? Because I don't want to go if you're not there. (sighs) To be honest, I don't know that's 100% the inner motivation of Jacob. But I want to believe, and I do believe in chapter 46, there's a reason why he hesitates before, and there's a reason why he stops at Beersheba. He does not want to go where God is not, and he wants to know whether the promise that he Receive that he is a part of that goes to his forefather and his forefather's forefather Abraham, that one of making them a great nation to bless all the families of the earth. Can it possibly happen if I go to Egypt to see my son? The crazy thing about the Lord we serve is he's not worried about the details. Somehow, as we've been listening the last several weeks, God is orchestrating. We're running out of verbs of describing how God is putting this all together, where on one level there is this horizontal family dysfunctional drama that's, that's entered in this process of forgiveness and is now coming into reconciliation, and on the top level it's God accomplishing his purposes for the universe to his glory, right? And they're somehow invading and playing off of one another, and God is smiling, I believe, because it does not keep him up at night like this message did for me, okay? He's not worried about that. The God we serve is faithful to his covenant promises, and he wants us to be sensitive to his leading in such a way, I believe. We were asking, God, I just want to be where you are. Now I hear another worship song. This is the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Oh, dang it, I lost it already. (laughs) There's no place I'd rather be, right? We sing this song. No place I'd rather be. I think the safest thing to say for me right now is that the safest place to be is in the presence of God. Everything else in this world, you can control it all you want. You try really hard. Even the greatest minds and micromanage, you can't. The world has fallen. The safest place to be is in the presence of God and in his purposes. So I just want to encourage us as a church, moving forward, I don't know what you're 
season is, what that question mark is, that choice, the decision is for you. But maybe you can join, I believe, the spirit of this guy Jacob here and his filter and where he's heading, that you might have a healthy hesitation before we step into something. I believe that if we walk in that way, we'd be surprised at the freedom there is in that. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for the gift it is to have real people in real situations. They are not perfect, Lord, and I thank you so much for it. If there's anything we've learned in Genesis, every single one of these people, even the great forefather Abraham, they got their quirks, and so do we. And yet, Lord, you give us instruction on how to live and how to see and how to think and how to live. And God, I just want to pray for us as a church. I pray for my heart here as well as I speak, God, that the great filter would just be this deep, deep, stubborn desire to just want to dwell in your presence and to see your purposes unfold on this earth, God. Would you incline our hearts to those things in such a way that brings you glory and brings us just life and joy. We thank you so much that that is more than possible through your son, Jesus Christ. And we pray this all in his beautiful name.